Bibles with you today. If you do, would you turn with me to the book of Jude? For those of you who don't have any idea where Jude is, it's just before you get to the book of Revelation, which is the last book in the, in the Bible. So just before you get to Revelation, just take a coffee break, stop long enough to get to Jude. And we're going to talk today and continue this conversation about who we are, what our identity is. Aren't you glad that we can know in Christ who we are? Let me get my computer set up here, and I'll be ready to go. It keeps telling me I'm typing the wrong one in. I hope that my grandchildren enter your passcode. Pray, saints. Hallelujah. Just call me fat fingers. You know, can I be honest? When I, when I was a young Christian, I really didn't know who I was in Christ. Only thing I knew was what my parents may have told me and what maybe my Sunday school teachers taught me. But a lot of that was very uh, rudimentary. It was, it, was very, it was level one teaching. And it took me a while to discover that there was more to this thing than what I was taught as a kid. And as an adult, there became, I became hungry to really discover who I am in Christ. Yes. And can I tell you that at 57 years of age, I'm still learning who I am in Him. I'm learning things about who I am that I didn't know five years ago or two years ago. I'm thankful that we can grow in Christ, aren't you? So today, I want to read to you verses 1 and 2 in the book of Jude, and we're going to stay right there because that is the meat of what I want to talk to you about today. Jude, verse 1 and verse 2. It says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who are the called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Father, thank you for your word. Let me be able to communicate effectively today and in such a way that your people will receive what you're saying to them by the Spirit today. Lord, your word never returns void to you. It always accomplishes everything that you've sent it forth to do. So in my mind's eye right now, I see people being set free. I, I see people who need mercy who are going to reach out and accept that mercy. I see people in my mind that need peace in their lives. And today they're going to take a hold of that godly, divine presence of peace in their lives. Lord, there are people in this, this building today, I, I see that they came in here not feeling like they are loved or that anyone really loves them, but they're going to leave this house with the knowledge that you love them and that nothing can separate you and them from that love. So, Lord, today I just have great confidence that when we walk out of this house today, we're going to be strengthened by you and strengthened by your word, and we're going to be different because of it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. 
the book of Jude is one of the shortest books in the Bible. Uh, it, it has a lot to say, though. Now, today, we're not going to get into the meat of the entire chapter and the entire book. But it's kind of interesting when you read it because Jude starts off. Uh, he's going to talk about one thing, and then the Holy Spirit speaks to him and grips his heart. And he talks about something totally different than what he intended to. And we see that right in the script. Now, how was Scripture given to us? It was given as the Holy Spirit moved upon men who were moved by his Spirit. And so what comes to us in the Word of God is brought to us by the Spirit. And so he says in verse 3, I believe it is, he says, I, I started writing this letter with the intent to talk, talk to you about our common salvation. In other words, we're all saved by the same Savior. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. Doesn't matter how old or how young you are. Doesn't matter what your nationality is. The blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient to save every soul that has ever lived or ever will live. He was excited about that reality, and that's what he was going to talk about. But then the Holy Ghost moved upon him, and he started talking about the need to defend the faith. He said, somebody's got to stand up for this word and stand up for this faith. And he gives them some very practical ideas of how to do that. You ought to read the rest of the book today when you get home in your free time. But today I want to I live in and, and move in this verse 1 and verse 2 because it gives us some very important information about who we are. First of all, he lays out his credentials. He does it in what, what commentators call triplicate form. It had a, trip, a triplet rhythm to it. Oftentimes we think about poetry and the way things are written and it has a certain rhythm to it. I, I don't know if you're musically inclined or not, but the songs that we sing have a rhythm to it. They, some of them are written in 4-4 four, four time. Some are written in 3-4 time. Some are written in 6-8 time. And depending on what we know from the time signature is how we are to play the rhythm of the song. So Jude decides that he's going to begin this, this book by using a triple rhythm or a, a rhythm of triplets. And so he starts by giving us a threefold introduction. First of all, he says, my name is Jude. Now, if I were to come up to you and I didn't know you, I might would say something like this. My name is Rob. What's yours? I would give you that information. But here's the, here's the key to this name. His real name was not Jude. It was Judas. But because he wanted to be associated in a positive way rather than in a negative way, he changed his name or shortened it, if you will, from Judas to Jude. Because we know who Judas is. And when we think of Judas, we think of a, someone who betrays or someone who, who, who uh, had a negative connotation in, in carrying the gospel. Took his own life because of his denial of Jesus Christ. So he didn't want to be known as Judas, so he, he, he called himself Jude. Now when I was a kid, my, my mom used to call me Robbie. 
And it, it kind of sounded like that. Robbie, Robbie, come here. Robbie, come here. My whole name is William Robert Baker, Jr. I'm a Robert for many generations. My, my grandfather's name was Robert. My dad's name was Robert. My name is Robert. Jonathan's name is Robert. Benjamin's name is Robert. And we're thinking about changing Elizabeth's middle name to Robert. Robert. But she called me Robbie, and I hated it. It sounded girly to me. Yeah, I grew up in the days where men had to be manly, you know. And anything that ended with an I-E just sounded like you ought to be wearing a dress. Now, that's, that's the way I was raised. Robbie. My wife liked Robbie. So she said, here's what we'll do. I want to still call you Robbie, but I understand about the I-E. So we'll change the I-E to Y. So now I will call you Robbie with a Y, R-O-B-B-Y. I didn't mind that for a while, but after a while, it still sounded a little feminine to me. And so I said, I'm not going to do that anymore. She said, how about Robbie Fobbins? I said, definitely not. And I made a declaration concerning my name. I said, from this day forward, my name is Rob. My mom couldn't get used to it, and she was the only one that I allowed to continue to call me Robbie. Even my wife does not call me Robbie anymore. She calls me jerk. She calls me no. No, I'm just kidding. She doesn't call, she doesn't call me any of that. She calls me Rob. Because I, I didn't like Robbie, so I am Rob today. And, and if you want to fight after church, I'm happy to fight you if you start calling me names. But anyway, Jude did not want to be known as Judas, and so he shortened his name to Jude. But then he goes on, and he said, I am a slave to Christ. Now, we don't like that word slave because of the history that that word brings. But really what he is saying here is that I am choosing to be sold out to Christ. I am choosing to serve him. Now in those days, uh, there, were, there, there were those who could get uh, free from that, from slavery, but then they would also give themselves back to those, uh, to the household that they were a part of so that they could be taken care of and have employment. And, and so they, they, they were servants by choice. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying, I have made up my mind that I'm going to use my life to be a servant or a slave to Jesus Christ. You can know me any way you want to know me. You can know me by my trade or my profession. But what I want you to know about me is that I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to be his servant. I have decided to sell myself out for the glory of God in my life through Christ Jesus. I wonder how many of us have made that same decision today. Is our life really a life that is sold out to Jesus Christ? He said, mine is. I, I'm Jude. I am a servant of Jesus Christ. And then he says, I am the brother of James. Now, this is very interesting. I want you to hear this because James was the brother of Jesus. And so if James was the brother of Jesus and Jude was the brother of James, then it makes common sense to believe 
that Jude was the brother of Jesus. So he had the opportunity here to say, now listen, I have as much right to be called the brother of Jesus as James does. I want you to know that my brother was Jesus. He could have declared himself right up front to be the brother of Jesus. But instead, he said, I am the brother of James. And what he was doing here was he was establishing his place not only in the kingdom of God, but he was establishing himself in the proper order in the authority of the church. James was one of the leaders of the church. Jude was speaking apostolically as he was writing this book. So he wasn't writing just for the fun of writing. He was writing on behalf of the church. And so he wrote as an apostle. He wrote apostolically and he gave James his place in the authority line of the church. So he says, you need to know who I am. Before you read any more of the words that I'm about to write, you need to understand that my name is Jude. That I have made up my mind that I'm going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, my brother is James. So he gives us a threefold introduction. And then we move on and we see a threefold identification of who he's talking about. In other words, he's not just talking to anyone. But he's talking to someone in particular. So he says this. He says to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. We are called. What does it mean to be called? <laughs> when somebody calls you, it's because they're trying to get your attention. They have information that they need for you to have. Hello? Hey, John, how you doing? Good to see you this morning. We, we normally don't even know you're up there. But we now know you're up there. We set you up today. See, here's the point I want to make to you. It doesn't matter how many times someone calls you. It does not become effective in your life until you answer the call. I could have let this phone ring all day long and John would have just kept on calling until I picked up the phone, which was the cue, by the way, to stop calling so the fun's over, okay? But when I answered the phone, I was answering the call. So we are part of the call. 
Now, when you are called by the Lord Jesus Christ, you are personally and specifically called. He doesn't just call you in a group of people. He calls your name. He calls your number. He knows who you are. He's aware of how many hairs that you have on your head and how many of them came out in your brush this morning. He knows you and he has called you by name. Oh, sometimes we just think, oh, God's unaware of my stuff and he's unaware of my circumstances. Oh, no, he's not unaware. He knows everything that's going on in your life and he knows uh, when to call you uh, and ring your number at the time that you need to hear from him. But it won't do you a bit of good unless you answer the call. Will you answer the call today? He says, I am called. And then he says, you are beloved. Now, this word beloved means sanctified. And the word sanctified means set apart. In other words, you have been set apart by God. He loves you. He has sanctified you. He has set you apart. He doesn't just love you in the group. But he loves you individually and purposefully. Put my picture up, if you will. How many of you like birthday cake? Can I see your hands? He's up there. Oh, hallelujah. Now, I hope this will stick with you so that something spiritual will happen in you every time you eat a piece of birthday cake. For the rest of your life. Number one, anybody who's in their right mind who gets to choose their own peace never, ever chooses out of the middle. Because there's no icing there. I mean, if you're going to cheat, cheat, go for it. My Lord, get that corner piece. That's the one that has the anointing on it. Now, let me explain to you my process. When somebody gives me a piece of cake like this, I have a process of eating it because I like to save the best for the last. How about you? I like to sanctify one piece of that cake so that that will be the last and enjoyed the most. I bet you can't guess which piece it is. Here's what I do. I take my fork and I cut on the front side over here a little square and I eat it because there are four sides of cake and one side of icing. It's the least effective piece in the whole cake for me. It's just a waste of my time to eat it. I'm going to eat it anyhow because I got to get to the good stuff. So I eat the first piece and then I take my fork and I go to this side and, and then to that side because now there are two sides of cake and there are two sides of icing. 
and this thing is evened out. So you look at it. You test my theory. The next time you eat a piece of cake like this, look at your fork and you'll see the cake actually has three sides of cake and, and two sides of icing. And eat it and it's good. And for me, it's better than the first piece because it has more icing. And what did you know that you can eat a piece of cake like this in four bites? Three? Man, the Holy Ghost all over you, son. You eat that one little square out here and then you cut on the sides and you get the three pieces of cake and the two sides of the other. And then you come to the sanctified piece. You come to that piece that's been set aside. That's the piece that I warned my wife years ago. Don't you even think about it. I love you, but if you take that piece of cake, I will kill you. I wouldn't really kill her, but I'd be really hurt. I would. And here's the best way to do it. Man, you just stab that thing right in the top and you pull it up and you got two sides of cake and one, two, three sides of icing. Mm. And you eat it and then you chase it with a glass of milk. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm about to shout right now. I'm about to have a Holy Ghost fit right now. Chase it with milk. And then when you're done, when you're done, you go get you a good cup of coffee. And you sit out there and you say, I shouldn't have done that. I should have, st- I should have not been tempted by that. But here's what I'm trying to say to you today. This is a beautiful picture of what it means for God to sanctify us. We are precious in his eyes. We are the apple of his eye. He looks forward to spending time with you. He looks forward to coming to where you are and being in you by his spirit and speaking with you and and, and having sweet fellowship with you every day. And here's what we've got to get in our heads. If we're going to really see who we are, we can't see ourselves as the least a piece of cake. We can't see ourselves as someone that God doesn't really care about. Oh, God couldn't care about me the way that he cares about pastor. And he couldn't care about me the way that he cares about someone else. Listen, God loves you and he cares about you and he has sanctified you and he has set you apart for his glory. And when you get up in the morning, You look in that mirror from this day forward and you say, I am the best piece of cake in the room. Amen. God loves me. He cares for me. He has sanctified me. He has set me apart to to have fellowship with him. And I'm going to live in that fellowship. So we're the called. We're beloved, sanctified, set apart. And then we are kept. We are preserved. The scripture tells us that when we are resting in the hand of our Savior, that there is no one, no power, no thing that can take us out of his hand. 
Jesus is keeping us. Now let me just pause long enough to tell you before you start shouting. That doesn't mean that you'll never have difficulties in your life. It doesn't mean that you won't have to deal with some of the tragic things that we've seen people have to deal with in their lives this week. Difficulty will come your way. Jesus said in the world you will have tribulation. Thank God he did not stop there. He went on to say, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. Amen. But you're going to have difficult days, and you're going to have dark days, and you're going to see trouble come in your life. But listen, the Lord is on your side, and he is keeping you. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, tell me where would we be? You say, well, pastor, I've seen good, godly Christian people who have lost their lives. In ways that make no sense to me whatsoever. Where was Jesus then? But see, if we look at everything from a human perspective, then it will be easy for us to see things that make no sense to us. We have got to learn how to live our human life in light of eternity. We have got to learn how to live today with the realization that there is coming another day that is going to be greater than this day and I will be safe for eternity. Listen, if you've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, you are safe. I don't care how many times the devil tells you that you are at fault and that you are condemned and that you are not saved. If you have come into Christ and you are walking with him, you are saved by the blood of the lamb and you are safe because of him. If you've got sickness and disease in your body, listen, this word says he can heal your body. He knows how to take disease and make it leave from your body. But you've got to live in the sight of eternity and say, like the three Hebrew boys did, I know he is able, but if not, it doesn't matter. Because if I leave here, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. I am kept by him. I am kept by him. And then to move on, there is the threefold impartation. Now, what does impartation mean? It means that I'm getting ready to put something on you. I'm getting ready to, to throw something your way. I, I'm getting ready to take what I have in my possession, and I'm going to put it on you. I'm going to impart what I have, and I'm going to give it to you. Well, what's he going to impart well, Jude says, first of all, you're going to have mercy. Aren't you glad for mercy? Aren't you glad for mercy? Some of you are thinking, I'd be glad for mercy if I knew what it was. Well, let me tell you what it is. Mercy is compassionate treatment in the time of need. That's what mercy is. Mercy is compassionate treatment in the time of need, the scripture says. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace 
so that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Oh, we can go boldly into the throne room of God and say, hey, God, this is my circumstance. This is my situation. I know you already know all about it. I don't have to fill you in with all the details. I don't want to waste my time praying things that you already know and that it's just going to make me more discouraged than I already am. So, Lord, since I know what's wrong and since you know what's wrong, why don't we just cut to the chase? I know that by your stripes I am healed. I know that your word declares that healing is a children. Children's blood. I know that you are the right, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so, therefore, I can't be righteous and unrighteous at the same time. I know that your word declares there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are walking in the Spirit of God and not in the flesh. I'm walking in the Spirit, so this guilt that I'm feeling has to go in Jesus' name because it has no place in. In my life. I know that your word declares that I don't have to be afraid of anyone, anything, anybody, any time of the day because you have not given me a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We need to stop praying what builds the devil's faith and start praying what will build our faith. Man, all I got to do is just realize Jude said I was going to have mercy. I'm going to have mercy. I am the called. I'm the sanctified. I'm the one kept. I'm kept by mercy. I have compassionate treatment in the time of my need. Hallelujah. That's the kind of mercy that we need. Amen. Compassionate treatment in the time of need. And then he says... You're going to have peace. What is peace? If you go to the dictionary and look up the word peace, it means quiet. It means tranquil. It means content. It means in the middle of your difficulty, you can get you a good cup of coffee and go sit on the front porch. And sip it in and declare, I'm at peace because you're in control. I can't worry about anything that I can't do anything about anyway. Your word declares that my anxiety, my anxiety can't add not one day to my life. So why should I worry? Why should I fret? Was the old song, why should I worry, why should I fret? My God has never failed me yet. You know, I was, I was praying that one day. Lord, you've never failed me yet. You've never failed me yet. Lord, you've never failed me yet. And I mean just as clear as if my wife was speaking to me, the Holy Spirit said, why do you keep saying yet? If you would just change that one word and that one declaration, it would change the way you're facing this situation. Because as long as you say, Lord, you've never failed me yet, 
There's a corner in your heart that says, this could be the day when he fails me. Change it, change it, change it. Stop saying, God, you've never failed me yet. God, you've never failed me yet. God, you've never failed me yet. And start saying, God, you have never failed me ever. I stand in faith today because of the knowledge that you have never failed me. I have, I have been young and now I'm old and yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging of bread. You have never failed me. Quiet, tranquil, content. Ronald Reagan said, peace is not the absence of conflict. It is the ability to handle conflict by peaceful means. I like that. But I like what I said even better. Because I said peace is not the absence of conflict, but it is the acknowledgement of the comforter. He's my comfort. Somebody help me. When Come on, Carolyn, help me. When I'm... Weary, he's my shelter. Just give us a minute. We'll work this all out. In the storm. Yeah, he is. When in battle. When. In the cold, in the cold. He keeps me. Well, sing it now. He's my comfort. When I'm weary, how many of you know it? He's my shelter from the storm. He's my armor when in battle and from the cold. He's my comfort when I'm weary. He's my shelter from the storm. He's my armor when in battle. Cold, I forgot it. He keeps me warm. I like it. He's our comforter. Jesus said, don't worry about the fact that I'm going away. We've got that covered. The Father will send another comforter who is just like me, and he just won't be in the neighborhood, but he's going to be in you. The comforter will come. The comforter has come. The comforter has come. How many of you know that one? Really? The Holy Ghost from heaven. The Father's promise given. Oh, spread. Yeah. 
Wherever men are found, the comforter has come. That one was in the old hymnal. The comforter has come. The comforter has come. He's a Holy Ghost from heaven. The Father's promise given. Oh, spread the tidings round. Wherever men are found. Beginning now. The Comforter. The Comforter has come. Amen. He says you're going to have mercy, compassionate treatment in the time of need. He's going to give you peace, which is tranquility and calm. And then he's going to give you love. Come help me quit. Love. What kind of love? Oh, it ain't, it, it ain't the kind of world, worldly love that we think of. He's going to give us the kind of love that comes from the throne room of God. Why did Jesus die for you? Because he loves you. I caught myself saying he loved me. He did love me, but he still does. He's never stopped loving me. Oh, you know, I, I once walked with him and I once talked with him and I once knew what it was. Well, what's preventing you from coming back and walking in relationship with him? Well, you know, there were a few things that separated me from God. Oh, no. No, no. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am sure. Say, I'm sure. I'm certain. That neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation shall be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. You might turn around and walk away, but nothing in this world can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. You are loved. Can I make one more point and then I'll quit? Notice what Jude said. Notice that he did not say that God is going to add this to your life. He didn't say, I'm going to add this to you going to add this to you. I'm going to add this to you. It's not what he said. It's not what my Bible says. My Bible says it's going to be multiplied. Let me 
tell you something. If you ever decide you want to give me money, don't just add a dollar at a time. <laughs> Multiply it. Because multiplying gets there a whole lot faster than adding does. Jude says there's going to be a time in your life when God's blessings are going to be just multiplied, 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 multiplied. I know I've done this before and some of you are aware of what I'm getting ready to do. But just sit patient because somebody needs to see this today. I want you to see the difference between addition and multiplication. Now if I go out... And I get somebody to help me. You okay? Can you get up out of your seat? You look awfully comfortable there. Come on up here. Just a minute ago, there was just me. But now, there's two of us. I added one to my number. So one plus one equals Bailey taught you that? Good job. Now, I'm going to go get somebody. You go get somebody. Anybody you want to, bring them right back up here. Stand right over there, okay? Can you do that? Ready? One, two, three, go. Come on, Jane. I want you on my team. Well, somebody picks you, I want you. I added one to my team. One plus one equals... Jamie added one to his team. One plus one equals. I'm going to go get another one. I want both of you to go get somebody and bring them up here to stand with you. Both of you. Go. You stay right there. Lindsay. You notice the old man's not walking near as far as they are. I got girls. one to my two and now I've got he multiplied his two with two more and he has what? Alright, you four go get you somebody, all four of you stay right there oh I see how it is a bunch of wimps bunch of wimps I added one to my two well one more and now I have four they multiplied their four with four more and they have eight okay you eight go get somebody bring them up with you stay right there I need a guy Lonnie can you come up here I need a guy to balance out my team. Holy cow. Look at all the blessings being multiplied over here. Can you see this? Can you get a visual? I added one plus one, two, plus one, three, plus one, plus one, five. They multiplied, what, four times four, eight times two, 16, there ought to be 16 people up here. Is there? 
Let's do it one more time. Everybody up here, go get somebody. We're going to have communion up front anyway in just a minute. Lee, I don't want you on their team. I'm saving you, brother. Tell you what, Jamie, you're going to be in trouble today because Amber is just now getting to join the team. You got her last time? Okay, all right. Man, are you in trouble? One plus one plus plus one plus one plus one. Sixteen times two is. Now, let me tell you something. I could keep going and we get the same result because multiplication will always outdo addition. Jude said, when God starts blessing you, it's not going to be just a little ad here and a little ad there, but it's going to be multiplied in your Thanks, guys. You can go down. Amen. Multiplied, multiplied, multiplied. I don't want to be one of these Christians. They just said, well, I'm just, I'm satisfied just, just to be saved. I'm just I'm just glad to be saved. Bless his holy name. I want to be saved. I'm thankful that I am saved. But I want everything that God has for me in my life. And I'm going to pursue it because he wants to bless me in that way. Aren't you thankful for a Savior like that? Give him praise. Give him praise.